everyone, and welcome to East Coast Office Hours, a fanbyte.com podcast hosted by myself, Merit Kay, features and trending editor at fanbyte.com, and Danielle Riendo, a senior editor at fanbyte.com. Hi. It's, hey. uh, it's cold in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, it's cold out here. There must be some fanbite in the atmosphere. I think so. Did you ever see that movie? No. What is this movie? Uh, Bring It On. Oh, I have seen that movie. Shit. Yeah. It's it's been a uh, while. Bring It On, I feel like, was in many ways ahead of its time. Uh, It was. It's a a 2000 movie, for people who don't know, uh, starring Kirsten Dunst, Eliza Dushku, uh, Jesse Bradford, Gabrielle Union, a few other people. And it's kind of a movie about cultural appropriation uh, because it's about this white, well-off high school cheerleading team discovering that all their moves have been stolen from a, like a poor majority black high school uh, cheerleader team. And uh, they actually, uh, this film lets the, um, it lets the black cheerleader team win uh, at the end, actually. And it doesn't do the kind of bullshit uh, redemption arc where like, oh, they won, so they or they became better people, so they get to win now. No, I mean, right. they, they still get second place, but they realize um, they like, you know, build these friendships. And uh, yeah, bring on good movie, I think. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I've seen it since I saw it in theaters in 2000. <laughs> in many ways, kind of yeah. a... Uh, kind of an alternate universe Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, movie sure. because Kirsten Dunst kind of filling in uh, for uh, for Buffy. Eliza Dushku <laughs> obviously on Buffy around that time. Yeah. And Jesse Bradford really feels like they wanted to cast the guy who played Xander but couldn't get him. Yeah. He was busy that day. Yeah. He was. <laughs> he was. Um, but this isn't our movie podcast. That, that one's you love to see it. This yeah. is... Uh, this is East Coast Office Hours, and we're still figuring out kind of what that is all about. But what we did yeah. last week was we each talked about something that we had worked on in the previous week that we were proud of or excited about. And I think that's as good a place as any to start this week. So, yeah. Danielle. Yeah. I know you've had kind of an all over the place week. but <laughs> That's true. Yes. Is there something that you worked on this week, whether it was a podcast or um, an article or something that you want to talk about? Yeah. So I think I'm really excited because, man, I feel like uh, we've been launching podcasts left and right because we launched this one just last Friday. And I also launched another podcast this week. I saw. Yeah. It is called Fan Fight or the Fan Fight Podcast. Again, you know, work in progress with the title. Could be anything. Uh, <laughs> but it's a really fun format. So I am a really big MMA fan. I think mm-hmm. everybody who, uh, you know, is on my Twitter feed and probably mutes me every time there's a fight knows that. And uh, I also am a grappler. I do submission grappling for fun and uh, entertainment. Do a little bit of kickboxing, but it's mostly submission grappling. So I'm all about this this whole fighting thing. And LB Hunk Tears, who runs our pro wrestling coverage, we have an entire section do, of the site, yeah. which is awesome and very cool. Uh, we got together and we kind of did this 
exchange of knowledge between two people. So, mm-hmm. uh, Merritt, you and I watched Predator recently, and so we saw the handshake happen. The the you know meme handshake of, of yes. two people coming together. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I see this podcast as uh, two people coming together from different sides of of enjoying fighting. So pro wrestling is a, you know, it's a staged production. It's a it's a staged production of stunts, right? It's not like a right. an athletic contest. Whereas fighting uh, does not look nearly as cool, right? As like a cool staged thing with costumes and good camera angles for all that. So like there are things to really appreciate and really enjoy about both sides of it. So. We came together. I picked a fight that I really enjoy and think is like a great fight uh, to kind of show off and highlight what's awesome about MMA. And the fight I picked was Holly Holm versus Misha Tate from about four years ago. It was a women's bantamweight uh, championship bout and just like a awesome fight between somebody who's like a really great kickboxer, like a really amazing striker and a really great wrestler and grappler. Uh, so it's like shows like how fun and awesome it is when styles clash basically in, in the fight game. And LB showed me a really cool pro wrestling match, uh, which was part of a round Robin, like a 2018 uh, round Robin uh, new Japan tournament. Uh, and it was like, just awesome and cool and it's showing all the like highlights and the high flying style and like all these wild ass moves there's a point where the uh uh zach saber jr who's like the heel character is riding the sort of uh the face character like a surfboard like he's just like making muscle poses and like just riding on this guy basically his ass almost in his (laughs) face and it's just like Oh, wow, this is entertaining. This is, like, a very fun stunt show with all these, like, wild effects and stuff. So, so yeah, like, we <laughs> – it's, like, a really fun thing where it's, like, oh, let me show you something cool and you show me something cool and we'll talk about it and we'll ask questions about it as two people who are, like, you know, on the other side of what we both enjoy. Like, we both enjoy fighting, right? But this is, like, two sides of it. So that was really, really fun to do. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, as someone who doesn't really know a lot about either of those things, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was listening to the preview that we posted with one of the tweets and oh, nice. yeah, it was like really interesting because, uh, LB was talking about how watching MMA, they're not actually hitting each other for most of it, which is something that you would think would be yeah. true <laughs> of pro wrestling, but <laughs> Um, as they pointed out, like in MMA, you're trying to actually hurt the other person. And so you're not going to be like psyched about like taking hits. You're not necessarily going to be goading the other person into hitting you. Um, (laughs) the strikes are like a lot more, uh, abortive and, uh, intense. Yeah. There's like these, these bouts of energy, um, and uh, yeah, that's like a really interesting cultural exchange for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. It, it was really super fun. Uh, it was really super fun to do it. And it's also like, oh, defense is a thing. Like defense doesn't really exist in, in pro wrestling. Now, again, I'm not even close to being an expert, but like or, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's less of a thing, right? Because you're both showing off cool moves as opposed to like, oh, you're actively trying to like really hurt the other person and really not get hurt yourself, like, in in the moment, right? And, right. And, of course, that probably doesn't look nearly as fun and cool a lot of the time, especially with, uh, you know, especially with a lot of grappling stuff. So, like, I, I will, when I do a grappling match, 
when I compete, I will like post highlights and things like that. Uh, so friends of mine that aren't in this sport can see the like maybe the fun parts, but like so much of it is like grip fighting and like getting into good position. And like mm-hmm. it doesn't look very cool. It is a cool thing. And like, oh, yeah, if you train it, you know that this is like a cool thing. But like it doesn't always read super well. <laughs> so, yeah, like most yeah. of like actual fighting is like ground fighting, right? A lot of it, yeah. I, I mean, like, in MMA, there are definitely, like, there are certainly people who really do specialize so much more on the feet of, like, boxing and kickboxing and Muay Thai and, and, and stuff like that. And so there are fights that don't go to the ground, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're very common. I, I, I mean, I've been watching it for about four years now pretty seriously, and I do think there are, like, occasionally fights that only stay on the feet, um, especially shorter fights. Like, if you get knocked out on the feet, well, then it's right. done. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like a lot of them do, and especially if you're with a wrestler or a grappler or a jiu-jitsu person, they're going to want to get to the ground immediately. Like, right. They don't, they don't even want to deal with this other shit, right? Yeah, so. and, and like you're in trouble if you're a striker and someone gets within your your range, yeah. right? Because you can't pull back for those like strong hits, and like it's hard to kick someone when they're like on you, right? Yeah. So Yeah, it's that's pretty tough. You can't have any extension there. So yeah, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And, like, spoiler alert, that's sort of what happened. Holly Holm was the striker, and she was the champion, and uh, Misha Tate, being the grappler, uh, was able to get her down and submit her. And and so it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it worked. But it could have just as easily gone the other way when the much better striker knocks out the other person before they have a chance to get to the ground, basically. So Right. It's, right. Pretty, it's, it's pretty fun. Of course, I also like women's MMA a lot, I and I also... I like watching the smaller dudes as well. Like, I just like watching small, fast, technical people, mm. um, probably because I, I'm a tiny human being. And, like, that's what <laughs> I, I prefer to watch and prefer to try to learn a little bit from. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating to me. Um, both sides of that, for sure, for different reasons. Um, yeah, and I, I have to admit, like, I've I've been an absolute brat in the past about pro wrestling. Like, I've been the shitty piece of crap gym, you know, gym bro who's just like, oh, it's not real. Um, <laughs> and, like, fuck that person that I used to be because it's real. It's just a different thing. Like, it's a, it's a stunt show. It's a really cool showcase of incredible stunts and incredible things that you can also do with your body. Just because it's not like an athletic contest doesn't mean it's not a real phenomenon. So... That's, right. that's a fuck you to pass, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> well, like what's interesting about wrestling to me is that on the technical side of things, it is kind of like this. Yeah, like you said, it's like a stunt show. It's almost like a kind of like really high impact dancing where yeah. uh, you can't really communicate with the other person. And it's not, I don't think, as tightly choreographed as like a, a performed dance. Yeah. But you have to be able to telegraph things in such a way that your partner knows how to roll with that impact because yeah. otherwise like you could very easily kill someone like yeah. in pro wrestling if you're uh if that contact isn't there and I think that's often how things go wrong when yeah. when that co- a communication breakdown happens. But um so the thing for me about wrestling is like there are so many wrestling video games where and like I don't get I mean I get why they're fighting games because that's easy and like um back since like the SNES there were wrestling games where you were just like 
punching the shit out of each other like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> right. There actually was one made by Midway where like you were shooting fireballs and stuff because they were like, oh, if we could do a wrestling video game, then why would we just make it two guys like hitting each other? Let's have the Undertaker swinging like glowing uh, tombstones. Like let's just do <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Which like, sure, that's one way you could do it. But it always struck me as weird that wrestling games aren't about like trying to build like the most entertaining match possible. Like for me, what would be really cool is if uh, you were somehow trying to, yeah, like build as much heat as you could before ending the match um, and like have like dramatic arcs throughout. And it's not just like one person wailing on the other and like some kind of career mode where like how, how well you've managed that is like the, the success rate. But um, I guess that's harder to, conceptualize from a design perspective yeah i mean it that does sound like a lot of elements of that are probably super hard to model but can you imagine how cool it would be if like a one type of thing plays better in front of one type of crowd than another and you have to like almost do like okay i don't know the crowd in sacramento is super into x and the crowd in memphis is super into y and like you have to like almost manage that and manage like oh oh, this is really playing to this crowd i need to do more of these moves oh my god picture that i'm just i'm now (laughs) picturing a wrestling live game where it's basically destiny except like raids instead of being you're fighting some (laughs) big monster are like you're at wrestlemania and like you have to make sure that you like put on a good enough show. Like you're working cooperatively with the other people, but that involves like dunking each other in the fucking trash. Um, (laughs) And I am obsessed with this idea now. This is so rad. Maybe this should be a fan by its first game that we make uh, somehow. (laughs) We'll figure it out. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that would fucking rule. (laughs) I'm into it. I'm super into it. Uh, other than uh, designing incredible wrestling games uh, and, and prototyping them in your head, uh, wh- what else have you been like super excited about this week? Huh. Oh, wow. Let me look back at the old Asana calendar. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, what what did happen this week? It's, it's always a good question. Uh, I mean, got a lot of stuff. The podcasts have been really fun. Um, and. Yeah. This is the fourth podcast I've recorded this week. I, so, I know. I was going to say, you're like the champion this thank week with you. podcasts. <laughs> I mean, you're at four as well. Something like that. By my count. Yeah. You did. If you did the fan fight one, then that's yeah. four as well, right? So oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> we're <Okay>. there. <laughs> uh, we're, we're edging into like one podcast a day territory. So we'll yeah. see if that happens. But um <laughs> Yeah, one thing that was fun and is kind of thematically related to what we were talking about is I published this piece by uh, Blake Planty, who is a writer that I've worked with on a number of occasions. And this was about the Digimon franchise. Ooh. I'm guessing you were like a little too old to be invested in this I, when it I came was, out. I was, sadly. <laughs> yeah. So here's my kind of quick primer on it. Yeah. It came out, like, I think a year or two after Pokemon, and, like, it, it originated as, like, a Tamagotchi, but you could link two of them together and make them fight. Oh, shit. All right. But then it evolved into this anime series, and 
that was brought over to the States and everyone was like, oh, it's a Pokemon ripoff, blah, blah, blah. But for anyone who actually watched it, what they got was a very different show because Digimon isn't about like collecting monsters or about like being the best. It's about, Mm. it's much more of like an adventure story where there is like kids are basically, it's what you'd call now an isekai. Okay. Like these kids are sucked into the digital world and they have to stop some big monster from like destroying reality. And they don't catch monsters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't catch monsters. They each have like one partner monster okay. like that they work with who can talk and is like their friend. So it's a very different kind of fantasy than Pokemon. It's not as much of a power fantasy as it is uh, one about having a magical monster friend. Yeah. And the show gets into like all kinds of stuff like uh two of the kids their parents are divorced and like one of them gets really depressed because he like feels like he has to like protect his younger brother but then he like keeps failing at it and in one episode he literally falls into like this black pit of depression like it's like literalized as this cave he falls into and uh his monster has to like help him like realize that like it's okay to be weak sometimes and that like weakness isn't contemptuous and uh he doesn't have to be like the person who shoulders everything and it was like oh my god this is like not like the kind of stuff that pokemon gets into at all so that's certainly true yeah yeah yeah. that series basically built out from there there's like tons of games and like other like tv series and stuff uh the problem is that a lot of the video games are just about battling like they're just about making your Pokemon or your Digimon, they might as well be Pokemon, fight another one. When like, that's not really what drew a lot of people to the series, I don't think, despite the fact that that's how it started as those Tamagotchis. And so Blake was basically making the case for uh, more games in that series that were basically like persona likes that were about like forming friendships with like your friends and monsters and like dealing with feelings and stuff. And actually there is a a new game uh, coming out called Digimon Survive, which is coming out this year. I don't know that if there's like any more specific of a date than that, but it uh, I think it's part of their plan to sort of go back to the things that made the series popular because it's like the 20th anniversary of... Uh, of the anime and this oh, damn. this uh game says that it's going to be like a darker tale about survival and friendship and like have like a story that evolves um throughout based on like how the player interacts with the world so that's like kind of interesting to me I- i'm yeah. like sort of um curious about how that's gonna play out um that sounds fascinating like that yeah. actually I don't know. That sounds extremely cool, and I'm almost a little sad that I kind of missed this when I was younger. Because that, as a as a as a tiny emotional nerd, that sounds like that would have really been good if I, you know, if I had a series that was about like, yeah. oh, my monster friend is helping me through depression, and that sounds nice. I want a monster friend. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely the choice uh, monster show of uh, of depressed kids for sure. <laughs> Um, nice yeah and like just some really wild shit happens in it like there's an episode where arguably like the main character pushes his monster friend too hard and he evolves into like this fucking giant skeleton dragon that (laughs) 
<laughs> like can't be controlled and is just like terrifying. And uh, then they have to deal with like the aftermath of that. And then there's like the second season, I think this other kid goes into the world and like becomes the emperor of the digital world. And at first is like this very like, like, and has like enslaved Digimon with these like devices oh and then forces like the protagonist to like choose which of their friends is going to die. It's a whole fucking thing. Wow. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, that's incredible. In the that's movie, really cool. one of the Digimon, uh, like launches nukes from oh my fucking God. <laughs> yeah. um, launches nukes at uh, Japan, I think, from the U.S. So, oh, that's wow, wow, yeah, wild oh. series, and uh, it was a fun piece to work on, and kind of getting at the same thing of like, uh, well, the source material isn't really about fighting, but fighting is like the easiest thing to do in a video game because. Yeah. It's been done so much, so let's just do that. Yeah, which I've always understood on some basic level of like, okay, interactions, conflict, okay. That makes sense on one level, but also if different, I don't know, it's always been a thing where I've wondered if like different types of creative people were involved way earlier on, then we would have just radically different verbs that were in every other game. Mm-hmm. But that is also uh, a completely like unfounded uh, idea, right? I, I have not gone back and done the scholarly work of reading a lot of papers in uh, game studies to like understand this this thesis. But I have always just kind of wondered, like, oh, if you know, slightly different types of nerds than than computer nerds kind of originated with with game making. Would we have things that aren't just yeah. shooting and tag and 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 fighting and and that kind of thing? Well, Would conflict look different. Yeah. And my favorite piece on this um, that kind of gets at the whole issue is uh, by, oh my God, I can never, oh my God, wait. Uh, I Oh, Gregory Avery Weir. Okay. Uh, and the piece is called Why So Few Violent Games. And it's almost a decade old at this point, but okay. it's basically written from this alternate universe where instead of games evolving from uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Gygax made a game called Counts and Courtship, where <laughs> it's just about social intrigue and, um, and like romance. And it gets into this whole thing of like, oh, well, like maybe that would have changed it. But when you think about it, violence is really harder to simulate than relationships. Like if you're modeling <laughs> yeah. conversation, there's like, like how much do they like each other and how like that's pretty much it but if you're modeling violence like that involves physics that involves like the subjective sensation of like hitting someone like oh, oh yeah there's art games that can do this like the feeling of being in a firefight <laughs> but they're not really realistic <laughs> like so it's just writing yeah. from this perspective of like there's no like necessary reason why things exist the way they do Except that, you know, there was this kind of path dependence effect of like the earliest things were made by people who were drawing on like D&D, &D, which was itself drawing on war games. Yeah. And, um, and they built those systems in a way that it became easier to make those kinds of games. But there's no 
reason why they should be inherently easier to make. Yeah, it, it's really, really incredible that the last line here is combat games are destined to remain the domain of small indie <laughs> developers. <laughs> it's really good. It's, that's such a good point. And, and yeah, I just just breezing through here, incredibly, uh, incredibly well made. I am going to read this and probably sit there stroking my, my chin like, yes, thank you. Um, that's a really, really awesome point. And it also, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm the furthest thing from an academic in the universe. I mean, I've been teaching for a long time, but certainly not, <laughs> certainly not the studies end of things. I I, I teach craft more than I teach uh, studies, but this this seems to me like it also uh, is in conversation with like the very hard line. The medium is the message kind of folks who, uh, you know, really really go go in hard on like yes, Unity is going to be a specific type of game. It's going to say certain things. Unreal is a specific, well, I guess Unreal actually, <laughs> you can make the argument for Unreal uh, versus other engines that are just like, it's a camera or a blank canvas. Um, no canvas is truly blank. <laughs> right, yeah. But uh, yeah, again, no actual uh, ability to do game studies here, but that is a super good piece and I am going to read it because that's funny and good. And, uh, it's great. Okay. It's one of my favorite pieces ever written on video games. It's really short too, so... Yeah, I would uh, recommend everyone read it. It's uh, if you just search like if you I think if you just search why so few violent games, you can find it. We could yeah. also put a link up in the description. Yeah, we can do um, show notes. That's a thing. Yeah, that podcasts we can do, do. We show can do notes. <laughs> we can super do that. Uh, With our other yeah. uh, cool pieces this week that you worked on that you're super excited about. Uh, I mean, yeah, there are, there are always a lot. Um, Gretchen yeah. Felker Martin wrote a really cool piece on uh, the young slash new pope and sex, yeah. and that is something that I actually talked about, or we talked about in the most recent episode of Papal Bull yeah. that we recorded. And I don't know if that's up by the time this is up, but it's the uh, it's episode seven. Yeah. Um, so that that comes up there. And uh, yeah, we uh, had a piece on like the early seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation go up today by Dylan Roth. I just saw that and I I will need to take a look at that as a as a Trek person. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically like, okay, well, Picard is really big right now. Um, Yeah. So maybe you want to go back and, and watch TNG. But the thing is, the first two seasons of that show were like a total disaster Rough. for like a number yeah. of reasons that he gets into in that piece. But like, nice. I remember when I tried to start watching TNG, I was like, oh, I'll just go through and watch every episode. Uh, in the yeah. first three episodes, I think there's one where maybe first like five. Someone, uh, I think maybe the second episode is everyone gets space drunk. Yes. Yes. And Data now and Tasha Yar time. have sex. Yeah. Yes. And then there's also the one where Tasha Yar is abducted by space Africans. Oh, and yeah. it's yep. real bad. It's yep. like not good. Um, but there are also episodes in those first two seasons, like uh, the, I think the big goodbye. Yeah. Uh, which is a, like a, a big sleep, long goodbye mashup, which basically <laughs> yeah. is uh, Picard cosplaying as like his favorite noir detective and it sort of starts the whole like what if holodeck but too much kind of thing where 
you know, if you die in the game, you die in real life. Um, yeah. So yeah, some good ups in there. And uh, if you are interested in watching that show and have never seen it, I would definitely start with that because those are like 10 episodes that will get you through the first two seasons with most of the big plot beats. And if you ever want to go back and watch the rest of them, they're still there for you. But, you know, I think it's worth <laughs> skipping them for like 99% of people. Yeah, that's super fair. I On the holodeck thing, I have always wondered like why OSHA or Space OSHA or Federation OSHA never like shut those goddamn things down. Like every other day the holodeck was like trying to take over the ship, trying to birth something new. There was a really weird seventh season episode of Next Generation where like the holodeck gets a mind of its own and is sort of like birthing a space oh my DNA God. hologram. That thing is that thing is wild. It's a hazard. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh TNG is wild to go back to now with like it, it it's just fascinating as as like oh space is dangerous and we're doing dangerous things in space but we have children and families here and also this ship is basically like a really luxury cruise liner with a cool bar. It's yeah. a lot. It's yeah, it's a weird ship, definitely. Um, yeah, my favorite holodeck episode is the one with Moriarty, where he becomes self-aware. Oh, yeah. Yes. And because, uh, yeah, Moriarty shows up early on, actually, I think in season one or two in Elementary Dear Data. Yeah. And I just learned about this from that piece that <laughs> they thought that Sherlock Holmes was public domain when they wrote that episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he definitely yeah. wasn't and uh so they had they like, got a bill from the um the estate and uh oh for like oh yeah th thanks for using our characters here's uh our rate for doing that <laughs> but yeah moriarty is a great character because he's a hollow holodeck character that is aware that he is a holodeck character and is also super genius because he's moriarty and um so there's a whole plot where he wants to escape from the holodeck basically. And it's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible. I, this is so random, but I had a really, really intense nun in Catholic school whose name was sister Moriarty. Oh my God. And like throughout my life, I associated Moriarty with her. So when I started watching uh next generation, um, I, I was just like Moriarty, like what, what? Cause I was a, a child and had both of them associated in my brain as being like, maybe not evil, but you know, uh -huh. not my favorite thing. Yeah, I mean Moriarty <laughs> is is evil, right? He's the villain. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to say this nun was evil because she she wasn't evil. She was probably a very nice lady, but slightly intimidating. She did like hockey though. She went to a lot of hockey games, so that was something. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, you know. Oh, you bring it back to Catholicism. It just keeps happening. I don't know why. <laughs> Always. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it it's definitely deep, deeply rooted. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It's also <sighs> uh, God. It's going to be Mardi Gras really soon. Speaking of Catholics and Catholicism, uh, unless it already happened. No, maybe it's Tuesday. Fat Tuesday has got to be, like, probably next Tuesday, which is a whole thing, which is, like, eat, drink, and be merry, 
And then you have to make your sacrifices for the uh, Lenten times before Easter. And then on Easter, you can like drink again and have whatever foods. Yeah. It's a lot of that. I mean, yeah, you got to abstain because then it's special. Yeah, exactly. I I basically get the idea of that. Like that's, to me, like whether or not people think it's a good idea or like, you know, whatever. I like, I I understand the like idea because it's just like a ritual thing of like, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, we, it's like a reminder of, um, of what you have, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Reminder of sacrifice and, yeah, so on yeah. and so forth. I, uh, one thing I did want to mention today, uh, this has nothing to do with Catholicism. Not really, I don't think. Although there is a priest in one of them. Well, a lot. Um, <laughs> I watched, uh, The Fog. John Carpenter's 1980 film. And then the uh-huh. next night I watched Halloween, John Carpenter's 1978 film. So I did like a a double Carpenter this week, which mm-hmm. was fun and good. And maybe we'll talk about these movies sort of in depth uh, some other day, perhaps on another podcast where we love to see things. But I have to say I really liked The Fog and I'd never seen it before. So this was like... A really underrated Carpenter movie uh, that does involve a priest. So there you go. There's your segue. And um, undead uh, sort of pirate zombies, uh, I would say. Okay. Uh, Something like that. And a really eerie, really weird phenomena that, like, comes into this small California seaside town uh, because it was cursed because an older priest from 100 years before uh, did a bad thing and uh, sort of cursed his entire town to this... uh, this weird phenomena with the fog. Uh, mm. I just really loved its vibe. It was just like a good, creepy, um, fun kind of horror movie. It also had Adrian Barbeau as like this cool 1980 radio lady who like hangs out in a lighthouse and just has like the sexiest voice on earth and is always playing jazz and like telling people about like, oh, there's there's some weather coming in and I'm, I'm your nightlight. <laughs> so it's a whole ass thing. Which is very good and very fun. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, The Fog. Highly recommended. Halloween's good. It just, I think Halloween is a very good and interesting movie that spawned maybe my least favorite subgenre of horror. So I'm kind of always like, yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Has some really great shots. Jamie Lee Curtis is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't really love slashers as much as I think a lot of people do. So Yeah, I'm not as crazy about them uh, as a lot of people. I'll take a monster pretty much any day over a guy with knife. Yeah. Like, guy with knife is terrible. I'm not, like, saying I, uh, you know, want guy with knife around, but, man, it's just not interesting. Uh, it's just not, like inherently interesting something else needs to be going on for it to really work for me i think yeah no same yeah give me give me a pirate give me an undead pirate any day give me a ghost (laughs) pirate give me the guy with the hook (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah for sure ah extremely good um we also need probably to figure out the name of this podcast as we as we go through our life. I mean, East Coast Office Hours is pretty good. But it's not bad. Yeah. But if something else comes up, I'd be down. Please 
send us your ideas <laughs> for yeah. uh, the name of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to brainstorm right now? Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of like Brooklyn-y things we could do. Um, like, oh, I want to make like a fun play on Crown Heights. Like something Heights would be cool. Like, oh, fan I mean, Heights. you don't live in Crown Heights is the only thing about that. What is, what neighborhood is directly uh, in between <laughs> us? Bedsty. It might be Bedsty, but let me just. I, I want to see. Um, I want to see like what's equidistant, like well, that spot. Like that a we perfect have to place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Where we will definitely have to like visit it and talk about it at some point, right? Like we'll have to perfect- record from there. Yes, yeah. can field you, recording. Can you uh, post your address in uh, the Discord for a sec so I can just copy and paste it? Of course, of course. So I can just do the math on this, just triangulate. Um, yeah. Triangulate We're making it happen. Okay. Maybe there's like an intersection. That, okay. That'd be so good. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if it actually will let me do this, but I'm just going to eyeball it. Yeah. I mean, well, it is close. It is basically Bed-Stuy. Um, I think, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm not really seeing, unless we just like, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. Unless we're going to call it <laughs> Van Buren, like the Van Buren Street podcast hour. I mean, um, I, I don't hate that. Actually. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of presidents in between us you got van buren you got uh jefferson uh hancock wasn't a president but he was a framer right or uh, something he was very important uh uh quincy is that i mean john quincy yeah there there was john quincy adams right uh yeah like a lot of monroe uh, madison yeah yeah don't think that Kajusko was a president, sadly. Yeah, but... Kajusko is a... Uh, that's Polish. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I uh, Yeah, I just kind of try, and I apologize if I got that one wrong. I um, think that is named for a general. Um, okay. okay. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, he was a Revolutionary War guy, um, Tadeusz okay. Kosciuszko. Uh, nice. I don't know if I'm doing. I'm sorry, Babcha. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's hard. Um, Brooklyn is hard. <laughs> Brooklyn's hard. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, presumably the same guy that the bridge is named after. Uh, I yeah. Would, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people in New York um, who got streets named after them for fighting in the Revolutionary War. So yeah. that's, that's kind of their legacy, you know, like Lafayette. You get like a whole street named after you. And some of these are very, very long streets. They go for many, many, many blocks. Like yeah, halfway through Brooklyn, some of them like, or all the way, almost all the way. Yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in the beautiful neighborhood of Bushwick. Um, although I'm not very far from Bed-Stuy, which is pretty cool. It's a, yeah. it's a whole ass place. Yeah. We'll keep. 
we'll keep working on it. I think yeah, we'll keep workshopping it. Um, the but, Van Buren Collective Radio Hour is. Oh my gosh! Uh, please send us ideas. Uh, until then, <laughs> until then, this is East Coast Office Hours, and uh, I think that's probably it for this week. I think yeah, I think uh, we're closed for business. <laughs> East Coast Office Hours are now over. Uh, go to fanbyte.com to see all of our cool written content and check out our podcasts on this feed. And we have one other one that is probably in the description or show notes. Um, I don't know what that one, which I don't usually have three feeds now, which is three. No, that's too many. Um, I know so uh, many feeds. Yeah. So much content. Subscribe to everything. <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes uh, if yeah. you could. I know it sucks, but you know what? You know what? Just make a day of it and just go through all of your podcasts and just leave five stars and be like, hey, it's pretty good. <laughs> I like I, it. <laughs> I did that once and uh, you'll feel a lot better about yourself. I promise. And uh, yeah, that uh, you're on uh, Twitter at Danielle R.I. I'm on Twitter yes. at Merrick K. And that's it, I think. We don't have a sign-off yet, so I guess we'll just say bye. 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 Bye.